everybody, and welcome to the Starting a Counseling Practice podcast. I am delighted to be here with Marissa Lawton from the Empathy Rising podcast, and we are going to be talking about one of those sexy topics y'all love, multiple streams of income, alternate streams of income, one-to-many income, and we're going to be just kind of diving in a little bit into how does that actually happen and what do you need to do to like prepare? Like what are the first steps as opposed to you listen to a podcast where they just tell you this sexy number, oh my gosh, and I lost, I launched this group and it made me $60,000 and you're like, I could use $60,000, I should launch a group tomorrow. Um, what are the things that happen that actually set someone up for that kind of a amazing result because at this point i definitely i've known a lot of therapists that kind of heard that went to do that thing and then went i i made four dollars i lost a thousand dollars i lost five thousand dollars <laughs> what am i doing wrong and usually it's in the preparation it's in the setup of the process so welcome marissa I'm so, so happy to be here. And I'm really happy when you were listing off those different incomes that you didn't say passive income, because that's what the majority of people will talk about is passive income. And let me tell you, it's it's not passive and it's certainly not passive right away. There are ways to absolutely automate it and remove yourself more from the process. But in my opinion, that's months, if not probably years down the road. Um, but that's what people lead with, which is kind of what you were alluding to. So I'm glad that you didn't start there. <laughs> no, because I have one of those quote unquote passive income streams, right? Like mm -hmm. Kelly and I have been running a course, the business school bootcamp for therapists right. for now back. Well, we've been doing courses for 11 years. Mm -hmm. We've been running that course for <clears throat> almost eight years. And it is, it's absolutely, it cracks me up. It cracks me up that people are like, well, you just have this course that you made seven years ago and it just magically does its thing versus like, there's a whole team of people oh, yeah. that we pay to keep everything updated, to keep adding to the process, to bring people in, to service them properly. Like there's all these pieces involved. It is a full-time income. Yes, it looks very different than when I was seeing clients back to back in private practice, but it is still a, a job and a career and, and it takes real work and attention. 100%. And I think that's what a lot of people don't think about is when you start moving to passive, it becomes passive because you pay for it, whether you're paying for advertising or whether you're paying for people. And so great, you're making money without technically working a lot, but your profit margin, you're not seeing a lot of that money at all because you're paying it out. Um, so these are just all of the like, I feel like we're going to expose some secrets here. <laughs> these are all the things that people don't talk about when they're like, yeah, do this. And it's like, yeah, but what about all the steps you took to get there? Or what about all the things that you're not talking about that are like the, the cogs in the machine that are going on behind the scenes that people don't get the privy, aren't privy to, right? Because that's not sexy. That doesn't make people subscribe to your podcast. That doesn't make people enroll in your course about how to launch this thing. Like it's, it's the, it's the pieces that, that if you just kind of gloss by them, like, oh yeah, yeah no, I mean, there's work involved like no doubt. And then they just go back into the right. success story piece of it versus like, wait a minute, 
And I think especially for therapists, which are the primary people that listen to this podcast, for therapists, therapists are really, really hard workers, Mm -hmm. like really hard workers. And they usually come to this idea of multiple streams of income or passive income because they're burnout, they're exhausted, they've been working way too many hours for way too long. And then somebody says, hey, next month (laughs) you could you know, make more money than you made in the entirety of last year in profits. Right. And you go, what? Yeah, I need to do that. Right. Oh, but wait, I'm still working truly 60 or 70 hours a week, even though I'm quote unquote, only seeing 17 or 25 or 32 or whatever the only is in their world. I'm only seeing this many clients, but you're doing email and you're, you're responding to um, phone calls and you're managing progress notes, or maybe you're just spending a lot of time avoiding the progress notes that you're like, you know, three months behind on and all of these other pieces that you're doing. And where is that time going to come from? So can we start there? Like, what are the things like, what is like, do you think is the very first thing before a therapist even considers and says, what should I do? I'm going to make this magical thing. What's the first thing they should do before they start brainstorming some magical, amazing, really cool thing. I'm sure you guys can all brainstorm. (laughs) We are creative humans, but before we do that, what are things that therapists need to start to do? Um, this is going to sound a little corny, you know, Simon Sinek has an entire book called the, like, start with why, but getting, doing some values work. Why do you want to make a change, right? Do you want more time with your family? Is connection and relationship important to you? And it's not happening as much because of how um, in much time you're giving to your practice. Um, some people, you know, and one of my values is actually wealth and like passing on to my kids and making their lives easier than mine was. Mm -hmm. Um, so having some kind of generational wealth and a lot of people don't like to talk about that, especially as a value, but I, that is one of mine and Mm -hmm. it comes from having multiple streams of income. Um, but getting really clear on what are the values behind this decision? Is it sexy? Is it attractive? Is it what everybody else is doing? And and is it like FOMO or peer pressure that's making you act that way or want this new thing? Or can you literally connect it to a deep rooted value of yours? Um, a lot of times the values that I see come up are connection, um, freedom or ease is a big one, um, especially if clinicians are seeing heavier caseloads. Um, sometimes it feels like they're, it, they could earn a million dollars, but the type of work that they're doing, it just feels heavy no matter what kind of money they're making. So sometimes people are looking for a little more novelty, a little more creativity, um, and a way to make sure that that is bringing them some money. Um, and then it can let them see maybe eight heavy clients instead of 20 heavy clients or whatever. So that's really where I say is start with why you want this. That's, what's going to get you through the ups and the downs, the hard, the hard weeks, the easy weeks. If you can really (laughs) attach to a why. I, I just think that is, that really is the piece. I think there are so many therapists that start to that forget that piece. And then 
it just leaves them going, well, what's the magical course or what's the magical thing or, or what do I need to do? Or how do I find the time? How do I decide what to say no to as I kind of go forward and I'm figuring it out. And when you have that, I think the sense of why and also the sense of purpose, it really does kind of center you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, which is an interesting one, right? Like I definitely grew up in poverty and wealth, the generational wealth isn't as important to me, but, and it's tied into, it's still tied into money, the ability to be present in a different way for my child Mm -hmm. that like, let me take him to school and pick him up from school and be able to take a day off and to take vacations with him, that presence and that time, which still translates into money, right? Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, right? That that's an important piece. So working 40 hours is not my goal because I want to be present for my kid. For the field trips, for the, if your kid has to come home sick from school and you want to be there, like all of those things, that's, I think, deeper. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that place of like knowing that spot. And I think also um, one of my values is that value of like community connection and that idea of being of service to other people. Mm -hmm. So like knowing that whatever I do, it needs to be in service of other people. Like there's this, I mean, there's this whole conversation about Bitcoin right now, right? Mm -hmm. Like people are having this conversation forever. And I mean, for years, people have been trying to have these conversations with me. I'm not inspired by this conversation because I don't understand how it's going to make an impact to individual people versus my course, I can see how it impacts. I've heard the impact. I have hugged the impact. I've seen the babies made, like all of the things, like I can see it. And it, with Bitcoin, just for me and the way that my brain works, it just hasn't like connected yet. You yeah. Know? You made a really good point because I think a lot of people who don't get in touch with their values and their reasons, those are the people who want that magic course and they want to do the method that somebody else did. Um, and then when it doesn't work for them, they're disappointed or they're let down or they're pissed off or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, oh, online income's bogus. Online income doesn't work. And that's not true. Mm-mm. What's true is you kind of blindly followed somebody else and didn't think about your own path. Um, so I think that that's a really important piece of it. And what I find with clinicians is what you're kind of mentioning is Some people are money motivated. Most clinicians that I meet are not. They are more impact motivated. And I think that's kind of what you're hitting on here too. It's like, sure, extra revenue would be great. Not to have to see so many clients would be great, but expanding my reach, getting this message out to more people at one time, that is something that really seems to resonate more with our helpers' hearts more so than the money. But I I wonder, though, I will say this, right, playing devil's advocate of kind of, you know, like where I'm coming from. Do you think there might even be a piece of that because therapists tend to feel guilty about money? Mm -hmm. So they they have to have a really good reason to make it like, okay to have money. So there might be possibly also a little bit of like semantics happening of like, because it's okay for me to say, I want to make an impact. And it's not okay for me to say, I want generational wealth and I want to pass a house down to my child. 
100%. And I think, I think talking about values is the way to bridge that gap and talking about money as a tool, right? If, if we're accumulating wealth, that doesn't mean we're stashing and we're hoarding that wealth. Mm-hmm. It means, especially because we tend to be more altruistic in our nature, it's, okay, I have this, I'm accumulating this wealth. What good can I do with this wealth in the world? So your money can be a tool too. Yeah. And I think that's such an important piece, like going into this idea of the the money piece. So many people want to give back in their private practices by sliding scale. And I think it is such a slippery slope for us as clinicians. And I so appreciate it when clinicians separate it out and say, here's how I'm going to give back. Guess what? If you took that amount that you are like donating, right, (laughs) that you don't realize you're really donating, it could, for a lot of clinicians, it is thousands of dollars a month. And if you took those thousands of dollars a month that you are kind of cutting off the top of your income and you took all of it or even half of it and gave it to a nonprofit in your area, you would probably have a bigger impact than what you're doing one by each. If you took that time that you were spending, those hours that you were putting into those pro bono or the sliding scale clients, maybe there's 10 of them. And so five of those hours or eight of those hours are unpaid. And you went and worked and supervised at a nonprofit one day a week and donated that time. You can Mm -hmm. probably have a bigger impact in training that next generation of therapists. Like there are so many ways for us to make impact. We just have to shift what we're doing and start to really look at the health of our businesses because a healthy business is going to have more altruistic impact. 100%. I really love what you're saying here too, because a lot of online income gets the criticism that like, oh, coaching's only for the affluent or courses are only for the affluent. And maybe we'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but maybe you do want your, your online income to be in that premium priced category, Mm -hmm. but that can supplement some of these open paths, um, sessions that you offer, or if you do, if it is in your value system to offer sliding scale, then this other income stream that you have going on can supplement what you would be quote unquote losing from having those spots. So I think playing around with this concept of multiple income streams, as well as, you know, um, where, where am I making smart business decisions? I think it can. And then of course, like we just said, tying back that back to the values, why do you want a sliding scale? Why do you want open path or pro bono or whatever? Is that what value is that linked to? Maybe it's accessibility. That's totally cool. But let's also have a business mind with that. Yeah. And also have a, the, the real, I, I always like to look at the reality of you. Every clinician could have 10 pro bono slots a week and we still wouldn't be able to touch everybody who needs accessibility of mental health care. So there's some systemic things that are going on that we are not going to be able to like fix with these pro bono and sliding scales. And I think there is a certain amount of like, we're like putting like, I don't know, this like, I can't even think of the thing, but it's like, we're trying to put jelly beans in like a huge leak and they're just shooting back out at us. You know, it's like, oh no, I can, I can fill it up. I can put the things in there, but like, it's, it's not going, it's not going to work. And I don't say that from a negative Nelly perspective. I say that from a, let's figure out as, as a, as a profession, as a movement, 
what can we really do? And I do think for some of the things of therapists showing up with these courses, showing up with these different ways to educate, do preventative work, to really shift the way that mental health is viewed in the, in the grander um, uh, world, you know, the grander community, I think those things can make big, long lasting systemic changes. Yeah, I think so too. Ah, Okay. Okay. So there's one, right? (laughs) We're going to be, we're we're never going to get through this guys. I'm so sorry. We're we're only going to get through two or three of these because this is too fun of a conversation. We could always Uh, do a part two. Right. (laughs) So we'll do the part two on your podcast and they'll be like, wait, where'd it go? Where's part one? We'll do the thing. Um, So what, what do you think is the second thing that therapists need to do to really prepare before they go out and start creating offers and trying to sell things online? Yeah. So once you're in tune with your values, we need to identify those things that are non-negotiable to you. Um, And so typically, like this is just an example, but if connection and relationship are your values, things that are probably non-negotiable to you are like family time or something like that. Right. So, so we were talking before we hit record that time has an opportunity cost. Anytime you say yes to one thing, whether it's consciously or or unconsciously, you are saying no to something else. And so we need to identify what are the things that you will not say no to? Like you refuse to say no to. And that might be your family time. That might be, um, you know, your spiritual time, your self-care time, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. And if you don't know necessarily what those non-negotiables are, go back to the values because the values will often inform those Mm -hmm. non-negotiables. But we need to make sure that those are taken care of first. Um, So, you know, an example of this might be obviously your practice because that's your livelihood. So that's non-negotiable, at least at this point. Um, Your goal may be to shrink that practice over time. And we can talk about how an online income stream can help you do that. But right now, your practice probably needs to be a Mm non-negotiable. Family time might be um, a non-negotiable. And I like to split that out, honestly, um, between like if you're partnered, partner romantic time and family like kid or maybe sister, brother, mom, cousin time or whatever. But I really do like to split those out um, to make sure that your partnership is getting some some special time too. Um, and then other categories might be like faith, like you might have a value of faith or a value of spirituality. And so your non-negotiable for that might be like going to church or it might be like your meditation or what, however that shows up in your life. But those might be some categories that are like non-negotiable. And I think it's so important. We, we did this activity in our course in the boot camp. Um, and it took us a while to do this, which was really interesting. We've been talking with people about, scheduling time and looking at, hey, you say you want to see, you want to work 30 hours a week, you want to see 20 clients a week or, or 25 clients a week, but like, let's really break down all the tasks you need to do in your business over the span of a month. And let's see whether there's actually, whether this is actually lining up. <clears throat> and so we saw people often really underestimated the tasks in their business. And so it was leading them towards burnout and frustration of like, why are not I getting things done? Well, because you're trying to do 40 hours of work in 30 hours, or you're trying to do 60 hours of work in 20 hours, whatever the scenario is. 
I think that's really key is actually quantifying this because unless you're like super into quantum physics or string theory, most of us will admit that like time is has an amount we can quantify it. <laughs> and so like if you do the math, right, in an average month with um, 30 days, so February is different, the 31 days or months are different, but let's just run with it. If you account for sleeping eight hours a night, which I want everybody to try and do, whether it's rest time or sleep time, but you have 480 waking hours a month. And so let's just do some simple subtraction here. When I go through this with people, I I usually find that they're like, we we identify their non-negotiables. Then we go through kind of like, those are like the big stuff. And then we go through the small stuff, mowing the grass, grocery shopping, like these things that we don't even think of accounting time or like assigning time to how much are you actually spending on the grocery store? Like, are you driving there? Are you going, spending an hour and a half walking through the aisles? Perhaps maybe you could do that faster if you did the online ordering or whatever, there could Mm -hmm. be ways to save time there. But what I find is when people take, do simple subtraction with that 480 hours, sometimes they're left with negative time. Then we got to, we got to re some stuff here. But a lot of times people have, you know, 50 to sometimes a hundred extra hours a month. Mm-hmm. And then they're surprised because they're like, oh, I thought I had no time. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you have time, but you're Netflixing. You have time, but you're playing on your phone or you're being un- um, zoned out or unintentional with mm-hmm. that time. So <laughs> this is the funny part is that, I have the opposite issue with our clients. Our clients often end up with negative time. Yeah. Not positive time. They are like, oh, I figured it out. I'm listening. You know, we always talk about the 168 hours a week. Yeah. And they're like, I just need 40 more hours. Like I need two whole more days. And we're like, that was 40 hours. But you then if you had two more days, you'd still need to sleep and eat and like do some of these other things. They're like, oh my gosh, I need three more out, three more days. And suddenly they started going, oh, I really have to figure out what I need to say no to and what are the, what are the pieces and be really realistic about what I can see. When I talk with a therapist and they're like, oh no, I love seeing 32 clients a week. I'm like, okay, really? And then we start getting into like all of the things in order to do that 32 hours a week that they are not doing in the rest of their life to create space for that kind of energy. Mm -hmm. And you find that there's all these other areas and values. They don't have social relationships, you know, progress notes aren't done, billing isn't done. And then you start to talk about, okay, so what if we created space for all these different areas to get your life in balance. And we pulled back from the caseload and they say, well, but then I can't, I can't actually afford to see fewer than that. Mm -hmm. So they have created this dynamic, right. Right. And said yes to fees or contracts that aren't actually sustainable. hundred percent, you know? And I think if you want to, if everybody listening, here's your passive income stream. Truly, truly passive income. Marissa will either confirm or deny when I get to the end of this. I can give 90% of clinicians a passive income stream where they can make somewhere between 10 and $30,000 of profit per year without adding more than probably 15 hours total, 15 hours total. I'm like leaning in. I'm so curious. (laughs) Raise your fee. 
Oh, there you go. Yes. <laughs> if, you, if you are charging $80 a session oh and what you really, and you were going, wait, I'm not able to like manage all of these things. I don't have money for retirement. I don't have money for this. I don't have money from that. The first thing is not that you need to go and launch a course. It's mm -hmm. that you need to sit down and really do the math because if you're seeing 20 or more clients a week, that is a full-time job as a full-time business. 20, 20 yeah. billable hours is more than enough for some people. It's 12. You should be able to be sustained. And when I say sustained, that means vacation, sick time, put a little money towards retirement, have some money in the things. If your computer breaks that like nothing terrible happens, that if you have a medical issue for a week that you don't have to do a GoFundMe because there's literally no, no buffer, like you should have buffer. So if you are seeing 20 clients a week, about 50, um, 50 weeks a year, just for easy math, every $10 average in your average fee is $10,000 a year. And yeah. you've already paid the, I'm going to say the, like the expenses for those clients. So everything that you raise up is simply profit. Mm -hmm. And this isn't from a money mongering thing. This isn't from a, an accessibility thing. It's from a clinicians are undercharging across the board around the world. And they are accepting insurance contracts that are not sustainable. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at this piece of, you can have, let's call it like ABC insurance company. And you have ABC insurance company in California and you have ABC insurance company in Arkansas and you go, Oh, they're ABC insurance company, whatever, but they're not, they're actually two different organizations. Every single state, sometimes in the state, Northern and Southern California will be two different corporations and their whole reimbursement schedule is completely different. Yeah. So I have clients that are getting reimbursed $62 in Los Angeles. Right. And they're getting reimbursed $132 in Arkansas. Which Can you completely backwards? <laughs> right? Because they are not making the decision as a business on what what is the going rate? What is the cost of living? None of those things. They're making the decision based on what will people agree to. And there's enough clinicians in Los Angeles that will agree to $62 that they go, that's a good business decision. We can yeah. do that. And so until we as therapists own our stuff, own our money issues and start to do the math and look at what the actual expenses are and go, you know what, at $62, when I add everything up, I could make more money and have better benefits at Starbucks. Right. That's not okay. <laughs> and so I'm going to say no to things that don't work for me and let the companies go, oh, wait. We suddenly don't have clinicians right. that fit with that. And this is not to price fix or anything. It's literally just, we need to take ownership of our business mind. Mm -hmm. And I am what I really like about this. I know I kind of took us on a different direction, but okay. what I like about this is a preparation for another stream of income is that if you don't resolve your money stuff mm -hmm. and put on that business hat and get comfortable with some of this budgeting and, and business projecting and forecasting, you're going to replicate the issues that aren't working in your current business in this next business. Yeah. Right. This other stream of income, whatever money stuff, 
whatever guilt and shame you have around it, whatever discomfort you have about pulling up an Excel spreadsheet and figuring out what the expenses are, it's going to bite you in the butt for your next stream of income. Yeah. 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 So I think getting the money mindset stuff under control and then getting this time stuff under control. Mm -hmm. Ideally, you know, you're saying your people typically have negative time. What I would, I would encourage before you're even starting to think about this, getting to positive time. And I would try and get to, you know, and this, this is nuanced because it depends on the type of offer that you end up, end up doing, which we can talk a little bit about, but, um, positive 40, like 10 hours a week. And that's after your non-negotiables are filled in. That's after all of your other like running errands. And if you want to build in Netflix time, and if you want to build in like, you know, blow off steam and hobbies time, then that's after that too. Like, let's make sure we're accounting for the lifestyle that we want and working towards shaping that before we then add on something new. Because if you if you don't have the time to do your current lifestyle, there's no way you can add on something new. Yes, 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 yes. And I think also, I do think it's important that you are not, like not in the negative time-wise, but also not in the negative financial-wise. Mm. So that if you're in a place where you are negative 500 or negative $1,000 at the end of every month, let's figure out what the core of your current business that you are in probably the positive because there is going to be a certain amount of investment even into this next income stream. So what would it be like to even have $500 a month or $500 a week extra that you could invest into this other place? Yeah. You know, because I think that 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 place of also panic where somebody comes into a spot where they're like, okay, well, every month that I don't have this magical thing, I'm losing $5,000 or I'm losing this amount of money or I'm going this much more into debt. That place of anxiety and pressure for some people can be motivating, but for most, it just kind of leads you to make not good decisions. And, you know, imagine marketing with desperation in your voice or marketing with like desperation. And so you do get on a a call with a potential coaching client or a potential person who wants to buy your course. And you're like, please buy my course. And you're putting out this energy. It's not going to end up in a sale anyway, because the person's going to run for the hills. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the piece is that like, ultimately when somebody connects with you, they want it to be solving their problem not solving yours, <laughs> you know, like the course should never be at the core, just about solving your financial or time issue. It mm. should really be about transforming this other person's life. And that should be the, if you get on the phone with somebody or landing page, it should only be about them. Right. You 100%. know, create that space for them. The way that I kind of imagine this and the listeners can't see me, but I'm going to use like my hands. <laughs> well, I think th- some of this will be on YouTube. So oh, yeah, they can t- well, <laughs> you're like, no one told I me. I would have put makeup on. Um, you look gorgeous. <laughs> but we think, I think about, you know, streams of income as like faucets. And right now your practice faucet needs to be the one that's kind of on full blast. And 
that might mean saying 32 clients at, uh, you know, $62, which is what we don't want. So we might need to adjust this faucet up and down until it feels like a manageable, ease-filled um, income stream that is meeting your needs, like, like um, Miranda's been talking about. This other income stream it's going to be like a tightly locked faucet for, for, for a while. And then you're going to turn it and a trickle is going to come. And then you're going to turn it a little bit more and a little bit more of a trickle is going to come. Eventually we can balance this out. And the reason I do love multiple income streams is because you are the person, I look like a puppet master almost, which is kind of what I'm saying. Like you are the person who is in sole charge of these faucets. So last year when COVID happened and for some of us shut this faucet off, completely until we could get online or until we could whatever having another income stream that you can then ratchet up can can supplement this so I love that there can be a play here between them and if you want to take a vacation maybe then you do a launch of your course like strategically timed so that you're turning money off from this one for two weeks but money's still coming in from here or whatever we can play around with that and it can be really um, freeing because sometimes when we're stuck at face-to-face with therapy clients, we can feel like we can't travel. We can't do a lot of these things. So there's absolutely a benefit. However, I love what we've been talking about is I want this income stream set up first. Yes. When I'm teaching this one, I don't teach ads right away. I don't teach financial investment right away. Of course, my students are investing in me. Um, Mm -hmm. so paying for my programs is an investment, but I don't want to teach, ads and like money dependent business growth right away. I want to teach some organic stuff right away. That's what's going to inject some cash. That's what's going to get those trickles. Now, if you want this faucet to be like full bore, then we talk about advertising. Then we talk about spending more dollars here. But if it's only, you know, some people come to me, I'd really love to pay my down my student loans. We want to buy a house in the next couple of years, but my debt to income's messed up. Like how can I make an extra 500 bucks a month to really start paying off these student loans? Mm-hmm. That's one thing versus I want to shrink my caseload by half. Or some people come to me like, I'm kind of interested in leaving the field, you know, and, and we know that that's kind of like a, a negative consequence of being a clinician sometimes. But I, I want to maybe leave the field and I need to at least make what my practice is making or more. Yeah. And so those are going to be different um, business structures, those are going to be different needs, depending on I want to make a couple hundred extra bucks a month versus I want a full-time salary or more. Then we're going to approach that differently from a money standpoint and from a time standpoint. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is such a fun conversation. <laughs> okay. So I know that we are running out of time um, because this is such a fun topic. Yeah. What is, um, as we start to kind of lean towards wrapping up, what is like the biggest piece of advice, like the one thing that, or the one mistake that you see therapists making that we haven't touched on yet mm-hmm. when it comes to these multiple streams of income that you want to kind of leave them with some, some 100%. Marissa. Yeah. So you will hear from a lot of people out there to kind of just build an audience and figure out what they want and then give it to them. And I think that's opposite. I think that's backwards. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that sets you up for a long road because it can take years sometimes to build an audience. And then you've got multiple voices. Like you can, you say, what do you want? And if your audience is actually engaged with you, which is hard to do, they will be like, I want this. Oh, I want this. So I want this. And so then you're trying to fill like three different needs. So the way to do this more efficiently 
more effectively and faster, quite frankly, is to start with an offer first. Know what it is that you want to provide and bring the audience to that. You know, they say what catches or, you know, you catch more flies with honey, but flies are also like attracted to garbage too. And I'm not saying that like, you know, starting with building the audience first is, is trash. That's not what I'm trying to say. But if you have a bunch of stuff out there and you're just attracting a bunch of people, it's not as beneficial as creating that honey pot. A real, and, and, you know, we're talking integrity here. We're talking yeah, ethical yeah. here, but like creating a really good, solid offer and bringing people to that, it's going to, it's going to build a better quality audience. It's going to build a better, more engaged audience, and it's going to lead you to sales faster. So start with the offer first, not the audience first. It's a, um, as someone who I, I definitely started with community first, and it wasn't because I was even trying to do a business. Like it yeah. was just a natural thing that kind of came out of starting a study group and transitioning to actually realizing, oh, wait, I've been doing the study group for years. I'm spending 10 plus hours per week for free in the study group. And people are asking more and more of me. And like, I need to put some boundaries around this. It was a really hard road to transition that into people actually pay me for my services or yeah. seeing value of that. And even today, I will say with the, cause the group is so active. It's funny the expectations that people have of this, <laughs> of this free group, right? 15,000 people going, well, why don't you do ABCD? I'm like, I'm already paying multiple people to moderate this group yeah. Monday through Friday. Well, why aren't you here on a weekend at nine o'clock when I just, first at somebody <laughs> you're yeah. like oh my goodness gracious silly monkey moose so I I definitely resonate with the idea of it's a beautiful thing to be of service I do think community is so powerful and if you don't have a sense of what you're really going for it can really be difficult to attract the right community mm-hmm. to yeah and so I think that's another question is like there's, there's a difference between wanting a platform, right? Having a message and maybe like you'd get on stage, you'd speak for free. That message is just so important to you. That's this impact that we were kind of talking about earlier. That is different than starting a business. Yeah. And you could have a, an Instagram that is all dedicated to your thought leadership and you just want to put this message out there. It's just so important for you. It's to get it out. You can get book deals from that. You can get invited to speak on stage from that. Like that, that happens. However, it's a very different path than I'm, my goal is X amount of money a month or my goal is whatever. And I want this to be an income stream. We start from a very different place. I think that place of um, therapists learning how to truly be business owners, Mm -hmm. that it's not just I'm doing private practice. I own a business. I am a business owner who happens to do therapy. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, Marissa. Thank you so much for coming. You're I welcome. Um, you your, um, your web address and like, what is your favorite opt-in for people to go in and check out? Yeah. I have kind of two things that are relevant to our conversation. The first is my quiz. It's free. It's marissalotton.com slash quiz. So it's super easy. And it helps you pick apart these different offers 
what, what might be a good fit for you? Because we kind of use course as this blanket term, but there's actually a lot of different offers. Um, and then I have a mini course, which is $47. So it is a paid product, but it is, um, really pertinent to what we've been talking about. It's called side hustle schedule. And it's like the, the math that we were kind of running through. Um, and that's marissalotten.com slash schedule. So either of those, I think would be really a good fit for the people listening to this episode. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So if you love this today, go and check out Marissa's podcast, Empathy Rising. Go subscribe to us if you're not already subscribed. Give us a review. Let us know how you're thinking about it. And of course, if you're still trying to figure out that first faucet, go and get on the waiting list for Business School Bootcamp for Therapists. We can get that figured out so you're actually getting income before you're starting to work on that side hustle. All right. Until next time, guys. (laughs) 